Hello and welcome to the Book Wrecked podcast, where we talk books, movies, writing struggles, and everything in between. I'm one of your hosts, Minerva, and I can't function without chocolate. I'm Irene, and I'm also a stationery addict, and my recent obsession has been the Pentel Energel 0.5 natal tip. And I'm Vesta, the one that's always a mess and needs to get her life together. <laughs> and that's us. Now that introductions are out of the way, ladies, how's your week been? Well, okay, so I recently started reading A Sky Beyond the Storm by Safa Tahir, and let me say, like, I tried reading Reaper, okay? I'm the kind of person who will at least try to read the previous books before I start reading, like, the newest edition of the series, but Reaper is, I just remember everything from Reaper. I love Helene, I love Laia, I love, like, you know, I have a love-hate relationship with Elias, but Elias in this book is surprisingly a little bit better. Mainly because he's forgotten really? his memories about Laia. <laughs> but he's regaining his I feel his like memory. everyone has a love-hate relationship with Elias Vitorius. Is that his last yeah. name? Vitorius, yeah. Yeah. Jens Vitoria. That's like really cool now that you think about it. Yeah. Yeah, maybe I should try reading it again. Would you recommend reading through it? Yeah. I would. I think so. Okay. It's okay. worth it. Just for the experience. And then you get to witness Helene. Helene is my favorite character. She's fantastic. And she I mean, her character arc is so beautiful. And I definitely think that you would like it. Yeah, that's true. And like her relationship with Laia, especially in the final book, is really, really wholesome. Like this is Aww. true girl power. Like, okay, I can't tell you anything, but spoilers yeah spoiler Spoiler alert spoiler um so like they kind of amend their differences and now they're like really good besties and they have like helene has a soft spot for lion out and that's really sweet and they like look out for one another and they're like constantly communicating like this is so cute bro forget elias forget elias it's halaya lyleen Halaya forever. (laughs) But then Laya obviously is all like, Elias, I need you, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, ugh. Yeah, it's sad, but it's fine. Well, speaking of books that we've read, I just finished reading Blood and Honey, the second book in the Serpent and Dove series by Shelby Maherin. I think that's how you pronounce her name. I hope that's how you pronounce her name. Um, I started reading this series because I'd just seen the ads for it everywhere. And it actually did start out really good. The two protagonists, Reed and Lou, have this whole arranged marriage trope going on, and it was just really, really interesting throughout the first book, Serpent and Dove. So I went through that first one really quickly, and then by the time I got to the second book, I was so excited for the series to get even better, and then it didn't. It was just so boring compared to the first book. The plot was painfully slow, and also, can we talk about Lou for a second? There's going to be spoilers in this next part, so skip ahead if you want to read the series without being spoiled. But anyway, Lou's whole descent into madness almost reflects how far downhill her character development goes. I mean, I never thought I'd side with her love interest, Reed, whose personality is like cardboard, but I feel so bad for him that he has to put up with Lou's insanity just because he's the love interest. It's just... It's such a toxic relationship, and the book romanticizes that because they're shown as pretty much soulmates. So I probably wouldn't recommend this series 
to anyone to read, but I will say that the writing itself is really, really good. So great job, Shelby. Um, if pretty metaphors and nice sentence structure makes you really happy, then you should definitely go for it. Yeah, like, okay, so I speed read both both of these books, and something that the listeners are probably going to get used to is me literally reading a book in a day, and I did that for uh, both Serpent and the Dove and Blood and Honey, and uh, I had high hopes for Blood and Honey, but I would have to agree um, that Blood and Honey did go, you know, a little, it had the second book slump, definitely, and um mm-hmm. You know, I, I think we talked about this um, before, not on the podcast, but they would let do like let Lou do things um, and not like she didn't receive like uh, any consequences or like punishments for her actions. So she just kept doing things that let her down this little rabbit hole of, um, you know, just chaos and madness and like it's something that she knew would happen but she still did it anyway and that was so annoying <laughs> um yeah I think we should break up with Lou like now <laughs> definitely <laughs> he just always has to do what Lou tells him to kind of and just because Lou has these crazy plans and everything she gets away with doing so many awful things to her friends and to him and everyone just keeps forgiving her. It's like, oh, Lou, I'm so sorry for what happened to you. And, you know, it sucks that you lit me on fire. But, like, I forgive you because we're best friends. Oh, my God. Oh, I remember <laughs> that. toxic relationship. <laughs> I don't, I just don't think that her actions should go without consequences so much of the time. Yeah, I thought the book could have gotten a bit like could have gone a bit further in terms of world building. I think it had a lot of potential to become bigger. Um, and I think that if the author does go into that a bit more in the third book and like more like history to it, I think that would be something um, that would add to the storyline. To begin our second segment, we're going to be talking about the Akatar series, officially known as A Court of Thorns and Roses, about a human girl named Farah who crosses the wall between human and fairy lands. She gets immersed in fairy politics and drama, but coincidentally finds the love of her life in the process. A new book in the series is going to be coming out February 16th, a sequel to the original trilogy called A Court of Silver Flames, and we're going to be placing our bets on predictions for the plot. No, there are going to be spoilers for the entire series thus far, including the novella A Court of Frost and Starlight. Enjoy! So, I predict that these two characters, Azriel and Elaine, are not going to end up together. Romantically, I mean. I know there's been a lot of speculation that there's supposed to be Endgame, what with Az giving Elaine his sword that he doesn't let anyone else touch, and they spent a lot of time together in A Court of Mist and Fury, but Az has this really, like, long and complicated and traumatic backstory that he still hasn't completely worked through, and then more, the girl who he loved for 500 years, we just found out that she's actually a lesbian, so he's, it's unrequited love on top of, like, childhood abusive trauma. I just don't think he's ready for a relationship with Elaine, who's kind of a girl who 
needs someone to like protect her and put her first. And Elaine seems to also have her own issues that she hasn't worked past. So like putting them together and making them end up together just feels like a recipe for disaster. Yeah, I feel like the way that this relationship is going to go or where I hope it goes is that Elaine and Az become good friends (laughs) and not necessarily romantically involved. I think for a while, Elaine should be single. um, And I think she still needs to get used to being Faye and being comfortable in her own skin and her new like seeing abilities. Um, yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah I could see as with someone who's like you know with a strong Illyrian warrior queen <laughs> yeah <laughs> go. yeah somebody who has their own life together so that they can help as get there too you know because I feel like I don't want someone who's gonna fix him necessarily but then again I also don't think that as needs fixing I just think that he should be with someone who inspires him to be stronger and to accept his own past mm-hmm. and work through that because they're such a strong pillar for him to like lean on a little yeah. bit. Which is why he likes more so much. And that's the most yes. painful part about this entire thing. Like she doesn't like him. She literally chose Cassie. <laughs> but only for his body. <laughs> oh rip well okay Cassian like uh, knew what we, yeah 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 if you've read the book you all on. would yeah. understand um some people think that Az is going to end up with the um Alarian girl from one of like the shops that Cassian visits um and I am totally for that ship because she seems super cool and like I don't think Sarah J Mass would put that much um detail in a minor character than she did with this character for um this Alarian girl not to show up again in a later book and I think so I think by the end of the book we're going to know a little bit more about Az's uh story um but yeah what do you all think about that ship I'm down. As just needs someone like who is like mentally and physically strong and just inspires him. Like like more, but not more. Not more. <laughs> not more because more Moore should get a girlfriend. I'd love to see how more is yeah. in like a stable relationship with That's a woman. True. Because we do get like a little bit of that princess, I think, that she was with, or maybe it was a queen. Whoever she was with, she seemed to love them so much, and they were together. I got separated, right? This book literally takes place in a Larian camp, right? And she's an Larian girl. Like, one of the catalysts to making some real change happen in the camp could be this girl who, as is starting to befriend, and, like, if they want to help her, that could be, like, the starting factor for them wanting to make some real change in this camp. Which is another thing that I think this book is going to be targeting, which is different from everything else that Sarah J. Mass has written. And it's actually going to be targeting like an intangible enemy. I don't think there's going to be some someone like Amarantha or the King of Highburn that they're going to be fighting. It's going to be like the injustice and the racism and the bigotry that they see in this camp. 
It allows so much room for the characters to really grow. And it's more interesting, like, as a reader to see these things play out because Amarantha and the King of Hybern, no offense, but they weren't very interesting villains, especially the King of Hybern. I didn't feel any threat from him. I honestly felt like Reese and Farrah could defeat him, like, hands down flight in the last book, but yeah. Didn't Elaine defeat him? He just stuck a sword in his bag. You know, I could do that too. <laughs> 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 yeah, I think that... Um... Yeah, and I'm really interested to see how Nesta goes about this injustice that happens in the camp because, you know, Nesta is one of those characters that I don't think takes a lot of crap from people, you know? Yes. Like, if we do get to see more of that character, like, this Illyrian girl, I don't know her name. Okay, but, like, it would be really cool if she would show up in the Illyrian camp and want to become an Illyrian warrior even though her wings are clipped. That would um, open up so much room for like other Illyrian women whose wings were clipped, but they still want to be warriors. It, it would be such a nice like full circle moment, um, especially on Reese's end, because Reese and Farah made this decision to send Nesta here. And then Reese's mom, like with her whole wings being cut situation, if this works out, yeah, and like as when he was younger couldn't fly, right? And he had to learn how to fly. And we learn about that when um as was teaching Farah how to fly because he was the only one out of the group that actually had to learn at an older age how to fly. So he would like relate ish to like that Illyrian girl who can't fly because he would know what it's like to want to fly but you can't. Um and I think that would be an interesting topic to go about and like it would be intriguing to see what Sarah does with that type of plot line oh there's also a small teaser that came out where Eris and Nesta were dancing yeah and I feel that Nesta (laughs) having that option to be with Eris one it could just be to spite Cassian who is probably not being too nice to her because he outranks her at the Illyrian camp and she can't just mouth off to him but it could also like represent choosing between like stability and chaos because Eris we know is very chaotic and as of right now we hate him for everything that he's done to more so what do y'all think I think they're gonna be mates (laughs) (gasps) no (laughs) oh my god (laughs) yeah the scandal I think they are gonna be mates because um it's important that Sarah touches upon the part about like rejecting the mating bond because she mentioned it in an earlier book and she hasn't really touched upon it. And it seems like, it doesn't seem like Elaine is going to reject the mating bond anytime soon. I mean, like we don't know enough about Lucian and Elaine's relationship to see them like actively reject it. So if anyone's up for rejecting the mating bond, it's probably going to be Nesta because, you know, she's a revolutionary at heart and she'll go any way she pleases. So, you know, it would be funny if Nesta was totally hitting it off with Eris, but the mating bond hadn't set in yet. And oh, Nesta is like the kind of person who chafes under authority. So she's totally going to be going along with Eris, going to all these fancy dances and parties and rubbing it in Cassian's face. who's obviously in love with her yeah and then if she finds out that her and Eris are mates watch her reject Eris 
on the basis that they're mates, that she's forced to be with him. And then by that point, imagine if Eris has fallen in love with her too. But then she's too prideful to go back to Cassian and like... But also think about the impact that would have on more To have like her best friend's sister choose the guy who kind of like abused her and then want to come back. Like how would more feel? Like she was really protective of Cassian in A Court of Wings and Ruin, I believe. And... She didn't want to see Cassian hurt, which I get, like, you know, good friend. I don't know. She would be so hurt if Nesta spent time with Ares. But mm-hmm. something interesting that Sarah J. Moss mentioned once was how much she enjoyed writing Ares um, because he was one of those characters that kind of reminds me of Nesta that a lot of people misunderstand or a lot of people don't like but actually the character has a deeper background and they're kind of like an onion, right? You have to peel back the layers. And I think like Sarah likes writing those types of characters that you initially don't like. And then you grow to like, as we saw with Reese and then as we saw the reverse with Tamlin. Um, So maybe maybe we won't like him, but maybe we'll understand him more, which is something that I hope to see with Nesta as well. And as we close, here's our hot take for the day. Elaine wasn't any better than Nesta at the beginning of A Court of Thorns and Roses when Pharaoh was left to provide for her family and shouldn't be treated like such an innocent person. I noticed that she used to plant flowers instead of vegetables, and she didn't really help Pharaoh in the least, like in hunting or providing food for the family. Or perhaps Elaine was just not cut out for hunting or defending her family There is a chance that she had her own demons that she had to work through first, but who knows? Let us know what you think at our Instagram, Bookwreck Podcast, through comments on our latest posts or DM us, and we'd be happy to have a discussion. And that's all we have for this episode of Bookwrecked. Thank you for listening, and we hope to see you again on our next adventure. (laughs) 